Welcome to the Rally Point Podcast, where we equip you to support others. I'm Bobby Jackson. And I'm Noah Throw. And today, we're going to be talking about balancing fun and vulnerability. Bobby and I will be talking with some friends and pastors about how they balance making space for vulnerability while also promoting fun and lightheartedness in order to open the door to deep conversations. I think a lot of youth pastors uh, and ministry leaders end up swinging on like one side, one side of the pendulum or the other side. They tend to get really hung up on like, oh, we need to be super fun. And there's like a stereotype, especially when I went to school, there was a stereotype of the youth ministry majors who were like it's not serious. Dodgeball. Yeah, pe- yeah, exactly. Yeah. Pizza and dodgeball. Yeah. yeah. And then there's the other swing of like, oh, we got to teach them. We just got to make sure every kid yeah. knows everything about the gospel. And mm. they have to have good, they have to be dogmatic and uh, apologetics. And yeah. and we can get so uh, so serious, we miss developmentally where people are. And we, we kind of create this tension. It's interesting because I think either way, we run the risk of boxing our ministries in and boxing students in, either putting it in the box of, you know, we have to have fun, they have to have fun, and we need to be this really lighthearted, enjoyable place, or the box of we have to teach them everything about the gospel, because if they're not ready once they leave high school, they'll never be ready, and it's all on our shoulders to do that. And it's funny mm-hmm. because those two boxes are sort of deceiving, as if one of those is true and the other isn't, and they can't be married. And it's not like we consciously think this, but we sort of acted out sometimes and you have Mm -hmm. to be really intentional about breaking out of those boxes and saying these two things can be perfectly married and actually when they are married they're much more beneficial for our health and the growth of the students so today we are really excited to have some friends of ours on the show Uh, tito and molly are some of the most fun people uh, i've ever known we we are good friends with them we've had tons of fun together we've also had really deep conversations and so I'm pumped to have them on on the show. They lead Reza Church in Ann Arbor, Michigan. So welcome to the show. Hi. What's going on? What's Thanks for having us. Well, guys, it's really great to have you on the show. And one thing that's pretty cool for me is actually, Tito, you were my youth pastor for a while while you were working with Bobby. And so it's awesome to be able to kind of know what you guys have offered as leaders to your students, being one of your students in the past But I am a little curious just to hear how you guys first got involved in ministry together and just sort of where your passion lies for for doing ministry now. Yeah, I actually, um, I didn't know my biological father and my mom married three times by the time I was 10 years old and it was just a pretty unstable childhood. So a lot of abuse and stuff and um, actually accepted and started a relationship with Jesus my junior year of high school. And then my senior year of high school had to move to a completely different state and a different side of the country. And that's where I met my first youth pastor. Um, And he really was my first real male godly role model. And he just like spent, he was only about four or five years older than me, but just spent a ton of time with me, loved me, cared for me, grew me, kicked my butt when necessary. And because of that model, 
um, in my life, that example, I just felt a calling as a senior in high school to, to be, uh, to be a pastor. And so that was really like my launch into it. He actually ended up introducing me to Molly and Molly had a feeling in her heart of a calling as well. Yeah. Um, I was a little different than him. I'm a PK. So I grew up in a, a pastor's home and I came to know Jesus at a really young age and started to do ministry just most of my life. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, jumping into our topic, just a, just a little bit here, kind of scratching the surface. Do you guys identify with this? Just having been in ministry for so long, do you identify with this? Um, or have you seen this idea of, you know, there's two boxes and we got to be in either one and there's a trouble marrying these things of vulnerability and having these, you know, just also just lighthearted, enjoyable conversations? Yeah, I think um, we see that so much in, in ministry, whether it's student ministry or just in, you know, what we would call big church. Um, I think you have people that um, love to show off what they do well. And I think they have a hard time living in a vulnerable place because they think that's where their insecurities lie. I know for us, for so long, we did that. We've been in churches that have been really fun. We've also been in churches that have been really um, staunch and academic, and this is how you do things. And I think what I see when I look in scripture, I see Jesus bringing those two things together. So mm. I think when Tito and I do ministry, that's where we come from. How would Jesus do mm. ministry like this? Mm. And mm. I think Jesus was fun, and he also was able to go deep and was vulnerable and taught at the same time. And I think, honestly, that marriage goes hand in hand mm. when you really want to have conversations with someone. Yeah, honey, I, I agree. Like, I think the idea of someone leaning on their strengths, you know, out, just outside of um, the vulnerability and stuff. I mean, you know, if, if they if they feel more like, oh, man, I really lean on this academic side. That's my strength. I'm going to lean on that. That's one way. And then the other way is, oh, you know, I, I feel a little insecure about that side, but I know I can bring the fun. And I see I see oftentimes that lean one way or the other for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So um, Molly, I'm, I'm curious, can you, for our audience, and actually for me, talk about that fun you see in Jesus? What, what does that mean to you? And, and can you describe where you see him Him bringing that joy, that delightfulness, that um, can, you, can you help us see what you see in Jesus in that space? Yeah, I think, at least for me, when I'm talking to people, I think people see Jesus as all God really well a lot of times, but I think they miss the point that he was all man too. And when mm. I look at scripture, I look at the fact that he had 12 dudes and thousands following him. So you mm. don't do that usually when you're like, thus saith me kind of thing. Mm. I, think, <laughs> I think he was so inviting. And I think you see mm. that in the father's heart. And I think mm. you see that in Jesus. And also when you see him even bringing kids to him, like, mm -hmm. I, I think kids are very sensitive to people's That's personalities good, yeah. and how things are. And when the kids flock to him. Um, I think yeah. that's another thing you see. Jesus's heart and his joy and his his just the ability to gather. I don't think it's easy to gather. And so mm. I think he was intentional and he not only gathered, but he was able to keep people gathered. Yeah, I actually was thinking about how in the world could Jesus have 
sat in the room filled with like people really far from God and they wanted to be there. I mean, there's no way you come at that room in a way that's like, and now let me tell you what the old scriptures say over this wine and bread. You know, I think he was just a, a relatable human as well as like obviously 100% God as well. So I, I have to imagine, I mean, even just the idea that he did life with his disciples. I mean, it, he wasn't, he wasn't, you know, you very rarely see him in a setting where it's just this classroom type situation. Most of it is that idea of doing life with the atribo rubbing, uh, rubbing up against. And, and I think relational people tend to be significantly more fun. <laughs> relational people tend to be more fun. I like that. Are there stories about Jesus that you find especially inspiring? In general, or or in the yeah, way of yeah, exactly. <laughs> like as we're talking about like that that like uh, so for me one of the things that I find most charming about Jesus is is there there are like certain lines right uh, that I find that just are striking and one of one of them is the number of emotions Jesus has I I find the the, the times where we see him be emotional but the other one that that comes to mind in terms of just re- relatability is in the book of John at the Last Supper, it actually talks about Jesus like laying his head in John's lap. Mm. And to me, that passage is like this, like Jesus's actual dependency on a human, which is super bizarro. Mm. It's not, I guess, fun, but it it does kind of give me this like moment of real, of like real Jesus, this real warmth, this like almost awkward affection. Like if you were to walk into a a room today and see a dude laying in another dude's lap, you, you like people would judge that. Many people would judge only that. in the states. And though that's I mean, Jesus. you you might go right. to like Africa where men, as a sign yes. of affection and friendship, yeah. hold hands walking down yes. the street while their wives yes. stand behind yes. them. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So it it probably it, it has some cultural elements to it, but to me, it it is also just a sign of his deep love mm. for the people he he spent time with. But I'm curious if there are specific instances in scripture that you see of Jesus living life with people and not just being deeper. What are those moments where you think of Jesus and you're like, that that's that's real life? I think for me, when I when I I look at scripture and I look at who Jesus was, I see him um, doing life. But when I see him doing life, I also see the correcting and almost like going back and forth with them. So I think there's got to be relational situations there in order to go back and forth with someone. And because when I do see correction that they didn't walk away necessarily right then, that they were able to have that conversation with one another. And so to me, what that shows is is um, relational equity in it. So they knew his heart in the Mm. correction. And to Mm. me, that says that there was love there in order to receive correction. Yeah. Gosh, that's such a great question. I feel like we could have a whole podcast on that. So I'll I'll try to be Mm. quick. But like one, one thing that I love about Jesus is you see like these moments where where people put him in these situations and you know his responses are just they're just so obviously godlike they're so epic but like i just remember even his the idea of his first miracle what a weird thing for his first miracle <laughs> yeah. to be his mom comes up it's such such a real honest moment you're at a party the booze is gone and you're like what's gonna happen and then (laughs) and so so jesus's mom is like i know a guy you know and then she like runs (laughs) over to him is like hey you know you see what's going on can you help us out and he's like mom 
I haven't started yet. You know, it's just yeah. like, you know, and even after he says like, mom, I haven't done, I'm not starting this junk yet. She's like, hey, go to him. He's going to do something for you. It's just like a mom, you know, anyway. So I love that like moment of real. And he's like, fine. And he's just like, keeps the party going. But, you know, there's just all of these moments throughout the scriptures that he is in place in these real honest situations. And he has to be like just a real person he was tired he was moved he wept it's just i don't know it's just cool yeah you know what i think is really funny that you brought that story up is because i'm thinking about you know going to weddings and you know not wanting the party to end and i think about this idea what we're talking about fun and vulnerability i know in that passage after jesus says you know okay so here is you know the wine that i've that i've made out of water let's not have the party end he immediately switches it and he starts talking about like, hey, I'm the bridegroom. I've come and I've saved the best wine like until now. Yeah. And so it's really cool how as we talk about fun and vulnerability, he says, let's keep the party going. But, but let me tell you about this deeper truth. So good. That is poignant in the midst of this lighthearted joy. And that is such, such a skillful way to engage people yeah. and also keep it lighthearted and not feel like there's this pressure to be super serious and that so it's so funny you told that story because i think that's such a perfect image of him marrying those two things it really is with that like we we want to hold these values we want to hold this balance like jesus did and and there are tons of instances i'm, I'm thinking of where so much compassion um so much justice so much righteousness is all displayed all at once so we as humans we want to to also hold this balance of like living real life with people, allowing our sense of humor to come out and engaging in the deep places. But also you mentioned insecurity and how we can tend to, in our insecurity, lean too hard one way or another. Can you can you think of some times or situations where afterwards you thought, ah, this that would have been better if I had just made the joke or I really like stayed in the levity too long and I missed an opportunity to go deeper? Do you have any Examples of times where you felt yourself swing too far one way or the other? Many. <laughs> I, I I just, I don't know that, I mean, that's just a wrestling match. I think, mm. especially in student ministry, because someone from the outside might look at a student minister and think, oh, that seems like a fun job. Um, look, mm. they, they, they get to hang out with, with teenagers and teenagers are fun. But what most people don't realize is teen, teenagers are also like the toughest crowd to win over. <laughs> and oh, yeah. if there is an ounce of insecurity, you know, like the sharks smell mm. the blood in the water, you know, and like <laughs> they will pounce on that. And if you if you're not careful, you're the prey being, being eaten at that <laughs> at that lunch table, you know. So I think the the temptation for me at least was to always lean on my lightheartedness, my funness, mm. because of my insecurity. Like, ooh, do I really shift this table to a serious camera? Now, yeah. I've done it many, yeah. many times. I get it. I respond appropriately. And man, what a God moment that is. But on the flip side of that, man, I have, I have walked away thinking, man, that was an opportunity that I missed. But the mm. fear, you know, being gripped with the fear, mm. what will they think? Will this will this make me less of a yeah. thing that they want to be around? A, what all those things? Yeah. So I don't know. I think just countless times being around students 
and feeling the insecurity in my own heart of mm-hmm. of rejection or just like you know has has made me you know stray away from mm-hmm. many conversations that I feel like I could have like moved into something deeper. And yeah. and on the other side where you're talking about students T, I I would say I don't think there's a whole lot of difference between students and adults. You know, when I'm sitting in a room, whether my insecurities will pour out really strongly. First of all, I don't look like a normal pastor's wife. Um, I usually don't talk like a normal pastor's wife. So I, I think for me, Tito's probably way more fun than I am in a lot of ways. But I think coming to the table with both breaks down a lot of walls. And it is hard to do. Um, I was just in a counseling session with a young woman the other day, and it wouldn't have made any sense unless I was vulnerable and silly and deep all at the same time. So I think Mm -hmm. that's part of bringing the Holy Spirit and listening and discerning Mm -hmm. in the moment of where you should go. And Mm -hmm. like Tito said, I've missed it many times. Yeah, I, I think I've gone even a step further in my in my like in my early years of, of youth ministry, I tried to be too relatable. And so I even got outside, like Tito, you're talking about like leaning on your your natural fun and lightheartedness and charm. I would go into my chameleon form and like mm. try to adapt and be more like the students. Mm-hmm. And I would actually lose even who I was in that attempt to be relatable. That's interesting. And I would like try to talk like more like them or try to and it it took a while for me to realize I am this. Like I mm. I actually have an identity in this myself mm-hmm. and I need to just be comfortable, confident in my identity in Jesus, in my personality, in who I am and they'll respond best. If, if I'm not being a, a, a poser, it was like, I will be all things to all men so that they will celebrate me as their pastor. Yes. That's what I wanted. And I had to really work. I still, uh, that's still a vulnerable place for me, but I, I, I have to work to that point of just getting Jesus's applause and allowing the, him to use me and not not counting on the student supplies and being the same person all the time. I think the irony there is, is that students have a really, as Molly would say, a high BS meter. So, so, so the idea there, I think, is like the more we're not ourselves, the more they will recognize that and go, oh, who is this guy? Whereas some of the best leaders I've ever had in any of my ministries were like straight up quirk McGurks, you know, like they were just like quirky and strange and weird, but they were themselves. And that's what people loved about those guys and girls is that they were a hundred percent them. And, and that was fine with them, which is something that I had to learn too, Bobby. And I, and I also think there is something about the difference between vulnerability and transparency. I think Mm. we mix those things up a lot of times. Mm. I think you have a lot of leaders in ministry or in student ministry or in church that will be transparent. They'll throw their junk on the, Mm. on the table and you'll know everything Mm. about them, even crap you don't want to know about them. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. then you, but when it comes to learning how that has shaped them and brought Mm. them closer to Jesus, they struggle in that aspect. Mm -hmm. So I think when you're dealing with anyone, you have to bring vulnerability and transparency both together. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's really valuable. I hadn't considered that Molly, but you know, as you're talking, I can just think of multiple examples where, yeah, a student would come in and they would lay everything out on the table and we'd start talking about it. And you would realize that, you know, you've told me everything, but that's kind of a front to say like, now you don't have to ask me any personal questions because I've quote told you everything. 
And then you start diving into it and you realize, wow, there's a lot there that we need to discuss. And it, it gets hard because you're starting to dig underneath the surface of, I feel really lonely at school. But it's like, well, I feel lonely at school. And so I feel lonely at home. And so I'm really suffering as a result of not having these social relationships. And I really want somebody to just tell me they love me and they want to be around me. But you wouldn't dig into that originally because they just came and they were quote unquote transparent. But then the vulnerability really comes in as a separate thing, which is interesting. Well, as you're listening to our conversation with Tito and Molly, maybe you're thinking about your own ministry and the hurting people around you. And you feel that balancing fun and vulnerability might be a little difficult and helping those people find healing can be complicated. So having people like Tito and Molly in your life to offer wisdom and insight into those situations can be really helpful. That's why Rally Point has a coaching program for ministry leaders. We know how difficult it can be to figure out those balancing acts, especially when you're working with hurting people. And talking with a coach can help you figure out a little bit more about yourself and your own process, how you like to have fun, how you like to be vulnerable, and it can equip you with tools to help create that balance in your ministry. You can sign up for an appointment and start a conversation with a coach today by visiting rallypointmen.com coaching. So in those moments when people are really unloading some difficult, vulnerable things, how do you show them, like, I'm taking you seriously at the same time? This can also be lighthearted. This also doesn't need to be a place where everything weighs us down. Sort of, I, I think of Eeyore and the cloud hanging over him. And how do we make it a place where, you know, we can have serious conversations, but we don't need to be consumed maybe by some of the painful, vulnerable experiences that we're discussing. How do you guys balance that? Yeah, I think um, there's a time and place for all of those things. And I think that when you talk about having a serious, vulnerable, transparent, honest conversation that might be heavy or even painful, that's probably not the time to bring the lighthearted in. I think, I think it's all the work you do before that conversation. And you probably, there's a good chance you wouldn't have had that conversation in the first place with that person if you hadn't earned the right or the permission to by simply having joy, right? And it's not just, and this idea of just like being happy, that's more emotions and those are situational. But then myself and the staff at our staff meeting last night, we talked about this, like that we have a value at, uh, uh, we, we have 12 roots at Riza. Riza means root. Um, we have 12 roots or values and one of them is contagious joy and so um the idea that joy is not situational you can be in the midst of your darkest saddest you know most painful moment but still have an item of joy the scripture says man there but there'll be joy in the morning yeah. so in your church it sounds like one of the values is integrity in in your feelings in your space like that vulnerability comes from be who you are, when you are, what you are, where you are, how you are today. And um, and so I think a lot of times the, the, the problem or the struggle comes in um, when we are trying to force one thing or the other. We're going to force fun into this space when maybe, you know, fun isn't the right 
thing. Mm. And we're going to try to force vulnerability into a space when maybe vulnerability isn't the right thing. We haven't earned the right to be vulnerable. Mm. And so there's an honesty and integrity to to the way that you're talking about, like, be fun when you, when kind of when you, not when you feel fun, because like, Tito, you're talking about feelings come and go, they're situational. Mm. So we plan to have fun. We, we intentionally do life together. And that kind of, that balance of like, uh, of, of letting, letting people be who they are in the moment, it creates a space for fun or vulnerability, kind of mm. more situational, more dependent on you know, the, the, the person in front of you. Yeah. Am, am I recapping that well? Or am I, I? I think what it all comes down to is giving people space and safety in that space to be their mm-hmm. authentic self. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think that's what it all comes down to. I think you don't have to drum up fun and you don't have to mm-hmm. bring vulnerability and transparency to a table and it doesn't have to be thought out. But when people know they're walking in a safe space to be who they are, we have a we have a saying that everyone belongs and you don't have to believe to belong. You know, and so for us, when people come to the table, they know that it's a safe space wherever that's at. We're not going to change the fact that we are going to shine Jesus and show Jesus, but they know it's a safe space for them to be who they are. And I think that's really what it comes down to. Yeah, we have one of one of our other roots is we keep it real. So we yeah, we have contagious joy, but we also keep it real. And contagious joy is not being an extrovert or an introvert. Mm-hmm. It's it's just understanding that our joy comes from not our situation yeah. but but who what God has done for us. But keeping yeah. it real means you can just be yourself and I remember hearing that when Jesus approached people and he dealt with people, it was always acceptance preceded change. And so mm-hmm. I think when people to echo Molly, when people feel they can completely be themselves, you know, minus judgment of any kind. Then that's when just vulnerability naturally happens. And I actually think it starts with the leadership. If Molly and I are not vulnerable and mm-hmm. honest and real, then we're not creating a culture. I mean, the values are really values dictate actions. And so we created the 12 roots so that we can like push the values that we have and that will help yeah. create culture. But not to say that the people that you know come to Reza are our children, but as an analogy, kids will yeah. do what parents do, not what they mm-hmm. say for their kids to do, not what yeah. they tell mm-hmm. their kids to do. So I think mm-hmm. that people that are around you will be vulnerable if you're vulnerable, mm. I think they'll be joyful mm. if you're joyful. And I, and I think mm. as a leader, speed of the leader, speed of the team, you set the tone for that. And then that stuff just will happen <laughs> naturally and appropriately. For our type A type listeners, like we're talking a lot about like living life in reality, in real time, that sort of mentality. But what do we plan? How do we plan fun? How do we plan vulnerability? It's a great question. Actually. And how do we live it? You know, like, what is the difference? What What is planned? In I, yeah, I'll tell you what we do in our home. So, so because um, one of my mentors taught me that <laughs> you schedule what's important. If it's important, mm. you schedule it. Mm. You know, I think when we've coached marriages, it's always, yeah, we're, we don't have a lot of time. So we're figuring out date time and, and date night. So we would teach for years, like, no, that's not the way that works. You clear out your schedule. Mm. 
you protect blocks of time that are important to you and you go. So for us, mm. it was date night on Friday nights and family nights on Wednesday nights where the whole family was home. We didn't do anything. We put our phones away. We, yeah, we locked it down. Our, our teams knew, our family knew, our friends knew. This was just our time. We protected those mm. times, but it was scheduled mm. because it was important. And, you know, some people um, schedule writing thank you letters or sending texts. They schedule that and go like, wow, that's not very relational. Well, actually, I think it's, it is very relational. You are mm, you are yeah. purposefully being relational ahead of time. Mm. And I, I think, too, um, I have a lot of women that surround me that are type A. Um, I'm probably more of like a type F or G kind of thing. And so, um, but I, I think for um, when I was sitting with one of them yesterday, she, um, she knows her weaknesses. And because she's willing to be vulnerable in those weaknesses, she asks me questions just as much as I ask her questions about, hey, how do I get my life together in this situation? She'll be like, oh, yeah, I can help you with that. And she'll say to me like, hey, how do I talk to my daughter through this? And this is what she's going through. What do you think would be fun to do? Mm -hmm. Um, So I think being able to have those conversations too with people that you know, oh, they're strong in this situation. I think being relational a lot of times gets... I, I've seen, I told Tito, um, sometimes in churches we've been at that we are relational, it could cost you your job because they just yeah. don't understand it. So I think for being relational, you need to, uh, a type A person needs to ask someone that might be a little more um, relational and loose in that, in that place that they can help. Molly, you are so right. You know, we talk about recruiting to your weaknesses. <laughs> yes, yes. So we amazing. say, we say like, oh, well, if, if this is, we, we, so on our connect cards or, you know, whatever you want to call it, this is your first time, fill this thing out kind of thing. Uh, the, the bottom question is what's your superpower? So we just, and we just leave that open. And you'd be amazed what the different, like, quote, superpowers that come through, some more <laughs> serious, some more crazy. But, but the idea is we, if, you, if you are self-aware enough as a leader, and, and, and leadership, yeah. man, self-awareness is so important, or at least making sure that you have people around you that will tell you the truth regardless. And the thing that opens the door to any mm-hmm. of those things is personal investment. And if you do ministry... And all you ever do is look at people as um, pawns for you to use to grow your ministry, mm-hmm. which we've been unfortunately a part of many ministries like that. Um, you know, one of my mentors taught me that they need to know that you care about them more than you care about the ministry, um, that, that you care about them first. They need to know that that's actually your motivation and the way you can like help them feel that way is you care about them like that you actually follow through with with caring about them that sometimes you're willing to take a volunteer off of your off of your team for a season even when you don't have more volunteers and that you don't have your margins and you don't have your your ratios but because that was best for their walk as a son or daughter of god and that's pastoring and shepherding. And if you can't do that for your leaders, for your top volunteer, for any of your volunteers, the people are invested Mm -hmm. in the ministry, then no one else will ever believe that because part of it is also reputation. When Paul wrote those letters, yes, it was going to people that he knew, but it was also going to people that heard all about Paul, but they weren't there. So, so Mm -hmm. it was like, oh, 
I keep hearing about Paul. He wrote a letter. Let's hear about it. I respect <laughs> it. Why? Because all of the people in this room that Paul's personally yeah. invested in respect him too. So I just think it's mm. it's the investment that opens the door up for those conversations. That's really good. I really appreciate that. You know, I, I've mentioned once or twice before on the podcast, I'm in school right now and we're doing a lot of reading and we're reading a narrative about monks, you know, back in the 13th century. And there's a, there's a line and it talks about one of the monks saying... Um, he's so concerned with doing good that he's forgotten to be present with the people he's doing good to, and he's forgotten to be kind. And I think that's sort of what you're saying. Not that we forget, not that that's an accusation on anybody's part, but sometimes we do focus on the good things, the doing the ministry, the getting the people in the door, the making sure that, you know, everybody is plugged in somewhere that sometimes, you know, it may be difficult for us to remember. I also need to sit with these people. I also need to let them see my face. I also need to be vulnerable with them, you know, and not just transparent, but really saying like, I'm opening myself up so that you can see who I am and, and taking that time to give that personal investment. That's really, really wise. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, what I, and, and Tito, you, you bring this up, what I see in this conversation and in your lives is this through and through um, an integrity of personhood. You are vulnerable people, so vulnerability comes out of you. And I think that's what I identify in this is you invest in people personally because you're personable people uh, and you're not posing. And that's what I'm hearing is, is the thing that has helped you balance these things so well is because it, you're not acting. That's what I think is so beautiful about the way that you do ministry is that you do ministry out of your life and you're on the journey. And so you're just inviting people to come on the journey with you. You're not pretending to be on the journey. You're not acting super spiritual. You're not acting super fun. You're just you. And that creates a lot of the balance. Thanks, Bobby. That's really, really honoring. I appreciate you saying that, man. That's, I mean, seriously. And, and, and you know, it's so funny. Noah said earlier, oh, Tito, you know, was my youth pastor for a little while. Noah, I I don't feel like I was your youth pastor. I always <laughs> felt like Bobby was your youth pastor. And even though he didn't have the title, he he had the role because he had mm. earned that in your life by investing in it. And here mm. you are years later now doing ministry together. That doesn't happen if you don't really truly believe Bobby Jackson mm. is who Bobby Jackson is yeah. um, and so I just want to I just want to say Bobby you have it in spades you know like like we, we were able to observe that for for years for you to be in the rest we all wrestle with it and nobody's done it perfect but the idea of mm. just investing and being yourself and mm. so uh, that was cool man that really was yeah as we kind of land the plane uh, what is one thing that you want ministry leaders or pastors who are hearing this podcast? To hear from you, whether it's about the, the the combination of fun and vulnerability, or or something else that's striking to you right now, what what would you want them to walk away hearing? Personally, think the best leaders are the ones that don't aspire to be the best leaders; they aspire to be the best sons and daughters of God. Hmm. And I will follow that to the end. 
because that's what I'm aspiring to be. I'm not aspiring to be a leadership guru. Obviously, I lead, I read leadership books and watch podcasts because I do desire to be a better leader. But I think that the reason why people, so many people follow the disciples is not because they were these most epic leaders we see so many times. They're absolutely not. But man, they're passionate about trying to be a son of God. Hmm. And so I think if there were one thing the most important thing, I think the most important thing is aspire and pursue being a son or son and daughter of the king. Mm. And I think that mm. people will naturally be attracted to that. Yeah, yeah and wow. I would say in that, being reminded that we are not supposed to be, quote, successful, like success is a mirage. Um, but as leaders, we are supposed to be faithful and to steward well. Mm. And I think mm -hmm. that comes from, again, being a son and a daughter of the king um, mm. and knowing your identity in him. And when mm. you're, you're focusing on your identity in Christ and you can step aside from the insecurities, um, then you can focus in on who God has created you to be. And that is fun and vulnerable and transparent and all the beautiful things that he has created us to have emotion-wise mm. and just Holy Spirit-wise. Mm. That's valuable. I think about I think about Mark, where the disciples ask him, who is the greatest? And he says, if anyone would be first, he must be last and he must be a servant. And to be a servant of the king, you have to be his. So focusing on being a son or daughter and then being reminded that we're not supposed to be successful. We're supposed to be faithful. That's really, really valuable. Well, Guys, you've just been such a blessing to us today. You've been such a yeah. blessing to us for years now, and we're so thankful to hear your wisdom. It was just so fantastic to have you on today. So thank you so much for making the time, and thanks so much for coming on and just being a model for fun and for being <laughs> open and, and integral. We're just so thankful. Thank for you, guys. You guys. We're, we're really honored and grateful that you would ask. Love you guys. So as I'm listening to Tito and Molly share, I think one of the things that's most striking to me is we're asking them to talk about balancing fun and vulnerability. And as they're describing how they do it, they're being fun and vulnerable. And yeah. it really just comes out of who they are. And um, and where we end up landing that plane is they, they're, they're telling us don't strive for either of those things, rather strive for Jesus, chase Jesus, develop your relationship with Jesus and live in integrity. And that balance comes much more naturally just out of who you are as a person uh, and who God has created you to be. Yeah, I agree. And I think we came into this conversation saying, what can we do? And their emphasis is, no, who can you become? How can you be shaped mm. to be yeah. a person who looks more like Jesus? And then how can you as that person be continuously intentional with people, to show them the love of Christ, to welcome them into spaces where they can be completely themselves. And then when we are all being completely ourselves as we're made in Jesus, we can move towards healing together and celebrate and be joyful together. And that's just a, that's a really, really valuable thing to consider. Um, yeah, for all of us. And one thing I really appreciate about Tito and Molly is that they're so good at just creating this environment that opens people up to having fun together and opens them up uh, to talk about what's happening in their lives. And we've got a great resource that can help you do the same thing. 
It's a worksheet that helps you evaluate the fun and vulnerability in your ministry and helps you schedule what's important to create that balance. To get that guide, go to rallypointmen.com slash podcast and subscribe with your email. You'll get a link where you can download this resource and you'll get others that we've created just for you. And if you like what you heard today, please rate or review this podcast. By doing that, you can empower other leaders with tools and experience that will help them support others. And also, we want to hear from you. So tell us how this podcast has helped you or what challenges you're facing in your ministry that we could cover in future episodes. If you'd like to contact us, please send us an email to hello at rallypointmen.com. Thanks for listening.